We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Thank you so much, Joe. great to see a whole variety of people up front uh, this morning already and we're going to be looking at the theme of being a welcoming church this morning it's kind of the last in our series our mini series but it's also um, getting back into our series on Mark so if you've got your booklet or your bible with Mark 10 do have that open today we're going to be working through that so in this 
series so far over the last um, three or four weeks. We've started off, Chris introduced us to God's design for a relationship, what is marriage. Then uh, we looked at what, is, what does the Bible say about sexuality and gender. Last week we looked at singleness and the, the high status that that has in the Bible. And today we're going to round off the series looking at the, the kind of picking up a lot of those threads and saying, what does it mean to be a welcoming church? So I'm an elder um, at this church, but actually for a long time in my life, coming to church had its challenges for me, and still sometimes does have challenges for me today. I hope as we look at Mark 10 today, we can pick out four principles on how to make Hope Church an increasingly welcoming church to all, particularly for those who might find it hard to feel they belong here. Let Let me pray before we get into this passage. Father, thank you. That, that your heart is open to all people. Romans 15 says, welcome one another then, just as Christ welcomed you. Thank you that you have taken the initiative, you have welcomed us, ultimately through the Lord Jesus on the cross with his arms open wide, he welcomed us into your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to hear from your word today and help us to to be a welcoming church, to be inclusive and to have our, our hearts and our, our minds open to all, all people coming to our church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we're going to, we're going to go get started actually at Mark um, 10 verse 6. And it's a little bit of a recap for what Chris brought to us three weeks ago. Um, we looked at the equivalent passage in Matthew 19 And the context here is that Jesus is answering a question on divorce by going back to the definition of marriage, one man and one woman, and he quotes Genesis 2.24. So I'm not going to recap that teaching in detail, but it does set up a, a key question for us to look at today, and that's this. How can we be a truly inclusive and welcoming church when we actually hold to biblical teaching that some people in our culture today, find quite difficult to receive. So we're going to work through the rest of the passage and pull out these four lessons. So we've heard what Jesus said to the Pharisees, said to the wider crowd, and then the following verses are when they're back in the house again, and he's talking to his disciples. Um, and Jesus' words might have felt quite blunt to us today, but it's, isn't it quite hard to gauge tone when something's written down, it was written 2,000 years ago, it's been translated from another language. What we do know is that Jesus was compassionate and gentle with people. But what's also clear is that when he's asked a question about what, he's, what he believes, he doesn't fudge it, does he? He's, he gives a straightforward answer. We've done a lot over the last few weeks to adopt a compassionate tone in explaining what we believe, but we don't need to hide what the Bible says. So he expands his answer. Notice he's gone into the house just with his disciples and he's giving a fuller answer when he's just with his disciples. He gives a clear answer to the crowds, but then he gives a bigger answer, more detailed answer to his disciples. And I think likewise, when we're asked by non-Christians perhaps what we believe, we can give them a true answer. We've got nothing to hide. Um, But we don't need to go on about every sinful behaviour if we're not asked to. We can say, yes, I believe that marriage is for one man and one woman. But wouldn't it be very insensitive to go up to a non-Christian and to sort of single them out 
for any particular sin. So our first principle from this passage today is that be clear but compassionate in saying what you believe. Just like Jesus was, we can be completely clear, but let's get our tone really compassionate and gentle. We might be tempted to change our theology, to change what we believe, to make it more appealing. We looked at particularly at LGBT people a couple of weeks ago, and we might feel well, we need to change what we believe to kind of keep up with the times. But look at Jesus' example. His teaching was very un- it was so unpopular to some people that they killed him. That's how unpopular some of what he said was. Um, there's nothing new about Jesus' teaching being challenging. But let's just make sure that we don't add any more offence to it when we explain it to other people. Let's, let's share it clearly but compassionately. So that's our first point. Okay, let's move on to verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus and the disciples kind of said, oh, you know, stop, being, stop bothering the, the teacher. Uh, Jesus was indignant about that. And he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The disciples saw the children bothering Jesus. That's how they saw it. Kiddies were considered of very little importance. They basically had no rights in those days. But Jesus sees them differently. He sees them just as valuable as adults. There's no hierarchy before Jesus. We all come to him in need of salvation. The disciples rebuked those bringing the little children to Jesus. And that's a question, maybe there's a challenge for us. Are we getting in the way of people coming to Jesus and to his welcome? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the little children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So Jesus calls us all to look at those who maybe have little to offer and to learn from them about how to come to God. Children approach Jesus with no status, nothing really to give, but they come willing to receive his blessing. Let us be a church where all can come, whether there's different or they have little status, and that they feel welcome. So our second principle is a simple one, maybe quite obvious. Let us make everyone feel welcome. That might feel like a, a very general point. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to list out some specific groups of people that might find it challenging to come to a church or to feel that they belong here. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, and I'm sorry if, I've kind of, if you feel like I've, I've not put you on the list, but I just wanted to run through a few categories. So um, there might be a range of relationship or family situations. So uh, we've talked about LGBT people and how we can make them feel welcome. We've talked about single people, including those who are divorced or widowed. Let us welcome them. Now, we, we also might think about people who are coming as a couple married, but they don't have children. And I wonder if they might sometimes feel that you know, it can be hard to come to a place where they, they look around and see what looks like lots of happy families. On the flip side, there might be adults coming with, with children and they're kind of, they're coming and they're frazzled and they're embarrassed perhaps by their 
kids' behaviours. They're trying to just grab a coffee and the little ones are sort of pulling at them to, they want to go home. And, they, and they, it can actually feel quite hard to kind of feel part of a church when you're constantly being distracted. And another, another sort of group under this heading might be an adult comes, but they, their spouse uh, either doesn't want to come to church or isn't a believer, and they might feel judged. They might have the kids with them, but they come to church feeling a bit like a single parent. It might be hard for them to maybe meet up with people from church midweek because maybe their spouse doesn't want them to go to lots of church things all the time. So there's a kind of a, a range of different sort of family relationship situations which might be challenging. Let us be a church who's welcoming to everyone. Now I've put the next one, uh, it's a, I don't really like this, this sort of category heading, disadvantage. This is kind of a, in inverted commas in the view of our society. Um, and it might be, you know, people come and they're not as well off as a sort of typical Guildford person and other people maybe are talking about their next holiday and, and, and they're just thinking, I don't know if I can afford to pay the, the fuel bill or the get the, you know, the, get the groceries for the coming week. Other people might think, oh, I've, I've just got not, not, I'm not just sort of, I'm not as well formally, I haven't got the sort of level of formal education as other people in this church. So let us make our, you know, our Bible studies really accessible to people, for example. Older people might feel like they have less to offer or that they're overlooked, that everything is geared around younger people. But actually, don't the older members of our congregation bring all their life wisdom and we should honour them for all that they bring and include them. Uh, other people might have health challenges. So... People might have disabilities. I mean, it's great, isn't it? The school's got the lift, and I think accessibility for physical disabilities is better here. Um, but it might be that someone has like a hearing impairment or a sight uh, impairment. Um, so we, let's let's try to make our our services um, accessible as possible. People might find it easier to have a conversation in a quieter space so they can hear what you're saying. And there might be, I know there's a number of sick or vulnerable people who continue to join us on Zoom. And if you're on Zoom, we, we haven't forgotten about you. You're very welcome and you are part of our church, even though you might not be physically here with us. You're very welcome and you are part of Hope Church. But there might also be health challenges that are kind of unseen. People might have mental health challenges. They might have social anxiety, the sort of after the service time or before the service might be particularly difficult. Um, people might, might just be shy or have um, the noise or the numbers of people just might be a bit overwhelming. And let's do all we can to make people with these challenges welcome in our church. And the final category is, you know, just, just broadly, people of different backgrounds, uh, people of different ethnic minorities, um, people who come from maybe a sort of other church backgrounds. I was reminded this morning, actually, when we took communion, I remember going years ago to a church and the system there with communion is you, you had kind of had this cradle of about 100 little glass cups with wine in it and this lady sitting next to me passed it to me and there was only one hand or she was wearing a white top. You can probably know what's coming. And, um, and I sort of didn't really know what to do because she was holding the handle and there's all these little little glasses all sort of wobbling their wine around and I, and I kind of grabbed it and it sort of tipped a bit and it went over a white top 
and I never went back to that church. I was so embarrassed. Um, but it's, you know, I, I'd been to church, but I'd never been to that church. I didn't know how they did communion. It's kind of, it's those little things, isn't it? Let's, if we see someone who doesn't know kind of what, how we do things here, let's help them. Let's just give, give them a quiet, quiet word. And let's give people freedom to worship in the way that they would like to as well. There might also be people here, I know there are, who, for whom English is their second or third language, and they might find conversation harder. It might be harder to kind of understand what they're saying, but let's, you know, let's, kind of, let's talk to them and persevere and, and help them to understand what's going on and just in those social times to, to, to sort of to be available. Um, yeah, and just lastly, sort of newcomers, like I say, it's not always clear kind of how things work, but also if we're all catching up with our friends after the service, newcomers can just feel a little bit left out and ignored. Um, actually, one really encouraging thing is, I know coming to Exploring Hope Church and membership, one thing that a lot of people say is, I really like Hope Church, or I want to be part of this church because I really felt welcomed when I first came, and that's a great thing. Let's, let's do more of that. So, that is our second point. Let's make everyone feel welcome in our church. Let's carry on with our passage today, um, because Jesus has this interesting interaction with this young man. Um, A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Now, when we come, all of us, to God, none of us is good by ourselves. We might worry that he asks some of, more of some people than others, Um, and actually you know we've been talking in recent weeks about LGBT people in particular and yes many LGBT people are called when they come to Christ to costly obedience but as we look at this passage today we're going to see that we're all if we're following Jesus we're all called to costly obedience we're all in this together and for all of us if we're living out lives of costly obedience we actually make the Christian life more credible and more appealing to LGBT people who are coming to show that we're all giving up much to follow Jesus. How did Jesus respond to this man? You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. You're listing out a number of the Ten Commandments. Now, in contrast to the little children that came earlier, this man seems to have much to commend him, doesn't he? And uh, what's the problem? What's the problem? Let's see what Jesus says. Verse 20, teacher, he declared, all of these commands I've kept since I was a boy. Now, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This man's been doing really well at living out the, much of the law. Commandments 5 to 10 from the Ten Commandments. He seems to be a nice guy. He's respectful to Jesus. He falls down on his knees, asks a great question. You know, wouldn't, what would, wouldn't we love it if people came up to us and said, you know, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He shows every sign of being a godly man. 
But Jesus looks at him and loves him. But what does Jesus love cause Jesus to say? Not, well done, you're doing all right, follow me. No. Jesus' love for this man means that the loving thing for him to do to this man is to point out his blind spot. You lack treasure in heaven. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not that the rich man has too much wealth, but that his treasure is in the wrong place. Let's be clear. He's not saying to all believers, go and empty your bank accounts and give everything to the poor. Of course, it's good to give money to those in need, and we should do that. But his instruction to this man in particular is to sell everything, because the one thing that this man's put between him and following God is his love of money. The first commandment that Moses gave in the Ten Commandments is this, you shall have no other gods before me. And Jesus' instruction reveals that this man that his wealth was more important to him than receiving eternal life. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Instead of giving up his idol and following Jesus, he kept hold of what was more more important. Isn't it also interesting that Jesus doesn't try to win this man back by toning down what he asks of him? He didn't say, oh, come on, come back. You know, I know you're a bit sensitive about this money thing. We could... Can we kind of come to some kind of compromise? You know, set up a nice standing order for Hope Church. How about just like half your money? You know, that would be great. No, no, Jesus recognised that some people might be put off by the call to costly obedience. We can only truly follow him when we've counted the cost. So the man went away. There we go. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed. Jesus said to him, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed and said to one another, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Can we say with Peter, we've left everything, Jesus, to follow you? We've seen from the call of the disciples that they were willing to leave their work and their families to follow Jesus. There might be some things that Jesus is saying to us today that we might be putting before him in our lives. Maybe like the rich man in the passage, the pursuit of wealth or being thought of well by other people. Do you remember we sung in our first him today, um, I don't want riches or man's empty praise. I wonder if we really meant that. You might need to, there might be other ways in which God is calling us to surrender everything to him. We might go in their faith even when we just prefer to put our feet up and watch Netflix. Essentially, to follow Jesus is to give up anything in our life that gets in the way of following him first. So, for example, if we say to a gay or lesbian person, come to Christ, and that may well mean a life of celibacy, can they look at our lives and say, okay, that's a tough call, but I can see that you've given up so much to follow Jesus. That's, that's fair. Can they say that? 
We might look at the sexual ethic in the Bible and think it's too much to ask of people in our modern society. But often the, the problem is not with the high standards that Jesus calls us to, but rather the low standards that we've settled for as Christians. If we're living radically countercultural lives, setting aside the things of this world, then others will be drawn to follow him despite the cost. So there's our third point. Being a welcoming church, live lives of costly obedience. If we're living it out, if we're all in this together, that actually makes us a welcoming church. People are going to be drawn to be part of it. Welcoming people to Hope Church, you know, the welcome team do a great job. We've got welcome written on our banner there. But welcome is more than that. Welcoming is more than a friendly smile and a chat on a Sunday. People need to know that we're in this together as fellow brothers and sisters. Let's look at the final words from Mark 10. We touched on these last week. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus doesn't ask us to give up anything he wasn't prepared to give up himself I've underlined all the things that Jesus himself gave up now I've talked about these verses a bit last week I'm not going to repeat myself in great detail but let's be a church that opens up our homes and our families to others in the church particularly to those who are single or from abroad a truly welcoming and inclusive church should be one that's opening up its homes, adopting others into our households, sharing our resources with one another. I think this is what Jesus means by a hundred times as much in this present age. Doesn't this make living life, perhaps as a single celibate person, much more credible if the church can be real, meaningful family through the week, through life, into a person's 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond? So there's our fourth principle Let's be family to those who have left much behind. If a gay or lesbian person, for example, comes to follow Christ in this church, I hope they can say, yes, obeying Jesus meant I had to leave my same-sex partner, but look, he's given me a hundred brothers and sisters and homes and children in Hope Church Guildford. Do you remember the question we started with today? Some Christians have said that, sort of decided they want to water down biblical teaching, but I think we've seen from Jesus' example today, we don't, that's not the loving thing to do. Jesus' welcome is summarised in the four points we've looked at today, how to be a truly welcoming and biblically inclusive church. Let's be clear and compassionate in what we say about what we believe. Let's make everyone feel welcome, thinking about all those different categories and others that I've forgotten to include let's live lives of costly obedience we're all in this together and let's be practically family to those who've left much behind so as we draw to the end of this series on extending God's welcome to all this is the last time we've got the resources table at the back do come and have a look at that at the the books here's another book uh, that you might find helpful 
I'd recommend. There's plenty of free literature from the charity that I work for, True Freedom Trust. Um, I'll, be, I'll be at the back and happy to chat through any resources and recommendations for you. And in life groups in a few weeks' time, we'll be looking at singleness from last week and being a welcoming church from today. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.